Welcome to the Wake Before the Day podcast with my parents, Clark and Bobby. We'll talk about the Bible and the Holy Spirit adventures. Thanks for listening. All right, hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Wake Before the Day podcast. We're in the studio. Today we're tackling uh, one chapter out of the Gospel of Luke. So Bobby and I are excited to talk about chapter 5. Bobby, Jesus is calling his first disciples. Yep. Calls men, and there's a lot to unpack, specifically with Simon Peter's response to Let's Jesus' invitation. It. Let's do it. Simon, he's like one of your favorite guys, isn't he? If you, I mean, we don't have favorites of the disciples, but if we did, would, like you, would you say that or no? Yeah. I, I resonate a lot with Peter. Hmm. Because of his call? Thinking, or because of his transformation? Or speaking what? before thinking, yeah. usually. <laughs> oh, because of his sin. Yeah, okay. because of his sin. I resonate a lot with this guy. <laughs> guy he talks quick, you know, listens later. I'm learning. I see Peter and who he becomes. It gives me hope. That I can be a better <laughs> listener. Amen. Uh, have a Amen. bigger heart, thick skin, mm. tenderhearted. Yeah. Yeah, his story is one I feel like that's just like the gospel. Like it really is. You see it on full display, starting with when he gets called. And so let's read the first little bit here. Jumps like verse 8, 9, 10. Okay, yeah. I'll read that. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man, for he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. So there's a lot to unpack just even in his posture and how he comes before the Lord. Yeah, it seems like because he sees what Jesus did with with the miraculous catch of fish here, he thinks that because he is a sinner, that God won't be in his presence or won't want to be in his presence. As if the underlying thought there is God only works with like religious, pious, super holy people. So Peter's like, get away from me. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinful man. Like you don't know who you're dealing with. Right. And um, well, on one hand, like God, he's wrong because God uses everybody. Yeah. uh, Especially those who are aware of their inability. Watch out. I'm going to sneeze. Oh, here it comes. Oh, it went away. There you go. You didn't look into the light. I know. That's a trick, you know. It's going to come back when I lose these. If you need to sneeze, you look into the light. I think it helps you sneeze. Does. <laughs> Next time you have to sneeze, look into the light. Let's see what happens. You just stick to talking about just the sneeze Bible. Sneeze over that microphone for <laughs> sneeze. Johnny and Naysia, they come here later. <laughs> no. Okay, Peter. Yeah, I feel like that makes sense that Peter might think that because he's obviously studied Old Testament. He's studied, you know, yeah. what was then the scriptures and, and knows Yahweh mm-hmm. is a holy God. And so that kind of makes sense when you think about that within his background, but that's not, you know, how Jesus has come exactly. to operate He's, with his people. And we'll get to that in a little bit, but Jesus is inaugurating a new way of doing things. Yeah. And all and really though, one's awareness of their inability, one's awareness of their sin hmm. is actually like a prerequisite to yeah. the gospel and following Jesus. Yep. When you actually realize like I'm not good enough. I can't save myself. I'm not qualified. Yeah. That's when God goes, Great. You, you made it. Come on in. Yeah. Like, accept this free gift. And because I've done it all. And that's mm. right away at, at Peter's, like, the, the initial stepping into calling, the kingdom of yeah. God and his calling. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure, like, for you listening, like, what that means for you. But mm-hmm. there's a lot here with Peter, just re- re- understanding, hey, God, you got to get away from me. Like, I'm a sinful man. I don't deserve this. And yet God still says, yeah. come on, I have good plans for your life. I love that's what Jesus responds to. He says, don't be afraid. So yep. even in that, there's so much to talk about. From now on, you will fish for people. Hmm. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. And so I 
you know, we hear that all the time in the old, like, do not fear, do not fear, do not be afraid. We see that with angelic encounters. And then even so, you know, how many other things could have Jesus said to Peter? Yeah. Like, you know, it, it's okay, stand up. And he's, and, but Jesus understands who he is too. Or he's like, yeah, this is, um, when we talk about the fear of the Lord, we talked about that all over the book of Proverbs and those yeah. kind of things where it's like, that's a, that's actually a great place to start. And Jesus reassures him, like, you know, don't be afraid. Mm-hmm. I'm here and I'm, I'm, like you said, inaugurating, that's a great word. Um, this new kingdom is coming and I'm inviting you in and yeah. they jump on it. And, and I appreciate like what Peter was doing and hmm. God obviously had that lined up because it's such right. a, a, a metaphor, a metaphorical picture of like what Peter is yeah. called to do next. Like, hey, look, you, you caught all these fish. Mm-hmm. Great. Now I want you to go catch people mm-hmm. and go fish for people. Mm-hmm. And I think I think it's in the chosen that hmm. when they have a huge haul of fish, they actually look at it. And Jesus points out like the different kinds of fish that they've caught, that there's oh. different fish. Okay. Already getting the Jewish boy to understand that it's not only going to be like yeah. the rainbow trout are here. But there's the sea bass and the yellowtail, whatever, and the great white sharks, or whatever it is. Fish. Yeah, <laughs> all the fish are coming in to represent all the yeah. different people groups of the world that can come into the kingdom because God's doing something new. Well, I think that translates to today too. Before we move on, because I think sometimes people think, you know, wow, I have become a Christian or I grew up in the church and I've got to be a missionary, I've got to be a pastor, I've got, and that's true, right? When we come to know the Lord, there mm-hmm. are these like really distinct positions that. Um, that the Lord will make clear as you, as you walk with him. And, and also at the same time, there's just you in your life, submitting all of your life to the Lord, whether that's, you know, at, um, whether that's at the bus stop, maybe you're a bus driver, whether that's being an entrepreneur, whether that's being a mom at home, whatever it is. Um, like I, I think that's actually an interesting point here that Peter's trajectory is totally different now like he is going to catch people instead of fish but like you're saying there's this there's this mindset like Mm -hmm. it's it's peter's person it's who he is that god's gonna use for his kingdom good and so interesting to think about that yeah so the passage continues and jesus is going to continue to blow their mind because now he's going to hang out with a guy that had leprosy yeah verses 12 through 16 it says while jesus was in one of the towns a man came along who was covered with leprosy When he saw Jesus, he fell his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. He said, I'm willing, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Mm -hmm. Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone. Go show yourself to the priest and offer sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing Mm -hmm. as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more, which it always does, uh, so that crowds of people came to hear him and be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Mm Mm-hmm. So curious because leprosy was kind of one of those diseases. Obviously, it's a it's a physical malady, but when you were in a society like this at the time, you were just a total outcast. You were one yeah. of those people that had to declare that you were unclean. There was just tons of isolation and and like long physical distance between like a leper colony and where everyone else was. Yeah, or even I think just like you couldn't even be within like six or eight cubic feet of somebody, and then you had to like raise your hands and yell "unclean" when you right. walked into places. Like unclean, unclean, so everyone knows. New. Oh, the lepers here, get away from Give them. Give space. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's just such a taboo thing to even be around them. And mm-hmm. so Jesus comes in. But I think you know that this leper, think about the courage and, and boldness that this person had. Because hmm. there's a social stigma. People are like, get away yeah. from me. Don't come near. And this guy comes marching in. Jesus, p- 
please heal me if it, if you can. Yeah. You know, and and Jesus does, and so the man knows he needs help and knows that there might be someone here who can give him a cure that nobody else can. That's the thing, right? When you get to that place that's like the end of your rope or wherever it is, like maybe you tried all the different creams and all the different, I mean, at this time, there could have been lots of different, like witch doctor or anybody that's trying to, um, I mean, really, uh, this this isn't like the best outlook, but it's really probably trying to take advantage of him and his family Mm -hmm. financially to try and like, oh, I can fix the problem, you know, just do this and then pay me. Yeah. Anyway, and so... I, I just think that's a, I like that picture of like Jesus as like the, like my, my only hope, like yeah. he, like our living hope, but really our only hope. Yeah. Cause leprosy too, we're, I mean, we're not even talking about the physical part of it. Literally pieces of your flesh, your body yeah. it could fall off. I'm a off. scholar on this. I wrote a paper on anatomy and physiology. Did you? Northwestern college. Okay. We're ready. Yep. Uh, basically your nerve endings die and you can't feel stuff. So when you get cut and you get banged by a rock, you don't feel it and it rots, gets infected and eventually falls off and is quite gross. So we're going to talk more about this man, but really what you think about too, what Jesus causes you to think about is like leprosy of our hearts too, in other places in scripture and in gospel. Can't feel, can't sense. We have these hard hearts. We have these leprosy infected hearts. And so this is a physical picture with this guy, but. Interesting. And God's willingness and his compassion yeah. to come to the people who were like the lowest of the low at the so- in a society at that time. Yeah. What's interesting is Jesus wants this guy to be quiet. Response, when you have to yeah. go through the, like the purity laws of, of cleansing oneself and rituals to re-enter society, it takes upwards of seven days. So this guy was supposed to go talk to a priest, show himself, mm-hmm. and then for the next seven days do this. And then it's so interesting. I love, I love, I love Jesus' rhythm of life. He's in public yeah. and then he pulls back to go to silence and solitude. Mm-hmm. And that's so needed for us today to have this rhythm of life that's public and then mm. private. Um, what happens next is another kind of wild story. I Jesus know. heals a paralyzed guy <laughs> and his friends believe that Jesus can heal their friend and do what no one else can do. And so they haul the yeah. friend in on a mat. Jesus is speaking in a house, mm-hmm. but there's too big of a crowd. They can't get to him. Somehow they get to the roof, cut a hole in the roof or open up the hole that was there. Yep. Drop their friend down and... Voila. And he's healed. What's interesting, though, is Jesus' first statement to the man. Look at verse 20. It is, yeah. When Jesus saw the friend's faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Notice he didn't say, your legs work now, or you can walk, or your back's healed. He says, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who's this Mm -hmm. dude who speaks blasphemy, who can forgive sins but God alone? And so here you see God really cares about your body. He cares about your body. You're a temple of the Holy Mm -hmm. Spirit. He made you. He knit you together in, in your mother's womb. And he has come to fix your greatest need. And that's not the guy's um, legs that don't work. It's his heart. It's like, hey, your sins are forgiven. Now that your greatest need is like met, walk. It's like, ooh, that realignment there. Uh, I'm struck by this. And I'm also struck by this faith that's visible, Hmm. a faith that's lived out, where Jesus saw their faith. He saw their belief in action. And James gets at that, too. Like a faith without deeds is dead. Are we saved by our yeah. deeds? No, we're not. Nope, 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 yeah. nope, nope. nope. <laughs> but a genuine faith has deeds. And so here Jesus is making a point in Luke, the way that Luke writes. It's yeah. almost like he wants us to make note of that. Jesus saw their faith like in action. He's right, like, the friends. All right, yeah. Because yeah. I think there's, you know, there's a lesson in that too when we're charged and heated uh, so often in the New Testament with like who we spend our time with and who we surround ourselves with and my goodness, like to have friends that are going to 
if you think about that too, what actually had to happen and just kind of like really some of the dishonor in like interrupting mm. a teacher, interrupting yeah. a rabbi and getting through the crowd and carrying someone behind you. Like it's not just you sneaking by. Yeah. Hey, get out of like, the way. Excuse us coming through. Move, so bonk. it's really like on behalf of someone else making so much chaos mm -hmm. and, and the picture of, yeah, what that looks like in today where I just think sometimes we want to be, you know, instead of being peacemakers, we want to be peacekeepers. And so, oh, we don't want to offend or we don't want to ruffle feathers. And so often that might get in the way of us even speaking like a word of truth yeah. or, you know, let alone dragging somebody through a whole yeah. crowd. And so that's uh, that's a good picture. And again, Jesus just clarifies why he mm -hmm. came. So verses 24 through 26 are debating like, who yeah. is this guy who can forgive sins? And Jesus is like. Uh, the son of man has the authority to forgive sins, and I am him. That's me. I'm him. <laughs> I'm him. Yeah. And uh, he heals him. And so then they're like, okay, wh what is this about? So Jesus' message is a liberating one. The gospel is a, is a liberating one, knowing, again, your inability, my inability, how good God's grace really is. Yeah. What the gospel really means for those who recognize, I can't do it myself. My friend's got to drag me here. The leper can't do anything himself. Peter, I'm a man, unclean, I'm, I'm a sinner. It's like, check, check, check. You all realize you need help. Yeah. Come into the kingdom. So what happens next is Jesus calls his next disciple, Levi, yeah. who's also known as Matthew, was a tax collector, most likely robbing people. Uh, if you look at verse 28, <laughs> and notice that it says, and after Jesus called him, Levi got up and left everything yeah. to follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what that means for you, but like, what does it look like to leave everything, like to commit every area of your life to the Lord, to say, okay, Lord, my my money, my job, my recreational hobbies, my yep. eating, my drinking, my relationships, my family unit. We're gonna we're gonna realign from whatever, all these other hobbies that are just not bad, but worldly, whatever. Yeah. And we're gonna redirect all of our attention to fully following you. Yeah. That's a lot. I like when he, so the disciples actually, uh, multiple of them have that said about them, that they give up everything. Yeah. So even Peter and the sons of Zebedee, we just read about them. And now we're reading about Matthew because later on in the gospels, there's a story about a rich, another man who had extreme wealth yeah. that comes to Jesus and he says, Hey, you know, what do I have to do? I I've kept everything. Yeah. I've done all this stuff. Yeah. And, and he had wealth and he had status. And Jesus speaks to his heart uh, out of love and compassion and sees him and says, um, sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And and he can't. He doesn't. Yeah, and so walks away sad. You see, that's not everything. Yep. And so when Jesus comes, he doesn't come just for a slice of the pie. He doesn't come just for the piece of the pie that looks the best. He comes for the whole thing, even yep. the stuff that's ugly and yucky. And and the people that recognize that where the spirit's been you know, moving and working, they go. Yeah. They know that it's worth it. Yep. And then you see his response. He throws yep. a huge party and he invites a bunch of sinners over there. Yeah. So I love it. <laughs> in the Bible, any kind of metaphor or picture of people at a table dining together just shows that yeah. one is welcome. And so mm. when Jesus is lying there dining with people, you see this welcoming and compassionate spirit. Yeah. It's the heart of God saying, I've come mm. to seek and save the lost, not the super holy righteous people who think they've got it all figured out. Right. But those who really need help yeah that's what he says in verse 31 yeah so when people come you know trying to already trying to trick and and entrap jesus some of the teachers of the law and jesus answers them is it not the healthy it is not the healthy who need a doctor but the sick mm -hmm. i have not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance and so that's one of those things that's still true today bro <laughs> like if we're picturing that table 
And we're, you know, realizing like, oh, you know, whether they're um, tax collectors that are ripping people off or whether they're a blasphemer or, you know, whoever they are, prostitutes in the community. Like, do you see yourself at the table? Because that's the truth of really who we are in our depravity and our invitation from Jesus. And that represents now it's, you know, the picture is the table. But today it's the church. Yeah, I was doing a Q&A a while back with a bunch of folks and someone had shared how they had been like hurt in the church. And then another person kind of responded and yeah. was like, well, did you leave? Like you left, right? And oh, yeah, one of right. our leaders had a really profound response. Mm-hmm. They're like, look, if you are at a, a place of worship in the church community mm-hmm. and you are having your faith basically through a leader, through a pastor, through an elder, through a worship leader, like you're connected to God almost through their leadership. Right. And then they fall. You're going to have a crisis of faith. Yeah. Because the truth is no matter where you go, you're going to have conflict. Yeah. No matter where you go, you're going to bump into people who are going to fail you and are going to make mistakes. So to say basically, because someone was like mean to you or unkind, like, okay, I'm I'm packing my bags and I'm out of here. You're actually missing it. I think if a church has false teaching, yeah, and their values are not biblical, then, yeah, you need to leave. Mm-hmm. Talk to the elders, say, hey, this isn't lining up with Scripture, then go, but that's not what he's getting at here. Mm-hmm. It's like someone who is hurt by the church, and and like, well, naturally, just go to the next church down the block or find somewhere else yeah. to go. So here, I'm, I'm just r- reminded that, like, why Jesus came. He's like, I came to help the people who know they're messed up, and that's what the church is. It's full yeah. of people who go, I need help. I can't do this myself. I need a doctor. And, yeah. and the most loving doctor is the one who's going to be honest with you and give you the accurate diagnosis. Not it's like, hey, hey Bobby, right, you're good. They, they got cancer, I think, but I don't want to ruin right. their day. So you guys are looking good. Have a great week and we'll see you in six months for your next checkup. Because I don't want to offend them or yeah. make them uncomfortable. It's like, no, the, a good doctor goes, hey, look, he, here's the problem. Here's the yeah. solution. Here's how I think we can help you. And that's what Jesus offers. And that's what the church is supposed to do as well. Hmm. So transitioning towards the end of the passage, Jesus is questioned about fasting. Um, And so back in in the biblical times, the Jewish people had a rhythm of life where they would fast. And in the Bible, fasting is abstaining from food and sometimes food and water. Mm -hmm. So today, um, sometimes we will talk about uh, fasting from technology. I think that's like a... Abstaining. Abstaining, yeah. yeah. I think that's like a second option if you have serious dietary issues. Otherwise, we should be learning to fast from food and water, especially us as Americans. We're really going to feel it. We like our food and water and our drinks. But here God's saying abstain from it. And the Jewish people would fast for one day or three days or seven days or sometimes yeah. a couple of weeks and even up to 40. And when you fast and you're at the end of your rope physically, you're, you're dependent. That's one way that we can build like that self-control muscle. The spirit can cultivate that in us yeah but here they're doing it and the people are looking at them like going wait why why aren't your disciples fasting because they're supposed to because they're again the good jewish schoolboys. right jesus gives them this parable he says no one tears a piece out of a new garment to patch on an old one otherwise they'd have a torn the new garment Mm -hmm. and the patch from the new will not match the old and no one pours new wine into old wineskins otherwise the new wine will burst the skins the wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined no new wine must be poured into new wineskins, and no one mm. after drinking old wine wants the new, for they say the old is better. Jesus' point is simple. You cannot mix the old way of doing things, like the Old Testament law, specifically the legality of it, 
the the formality of it, just like yeah. going through the rituals and the traditions with what Jesus is bringing in. He's offering something completely oh, new. new. While mm-hmm. he fulfills the Old Testament, mm-hmm. while he fulfills the law, he's saying, follow me. Yeah. And the people are trying to figure like, well, how do I hold on to this, you know, kind of lifeless tradition? And I like some of Jesus' teaching. He might be a prophet. And Jesus is like, these aren't even compatible. Right. <laughs> like you can't mix the old wine in a new a wine skin or vice versa. He's saying you need something completely different. And so here, this is what John the Baptist had been foretelling. It's like there's the Messiah is coming. He offers yeah. you a new way. I'm blazing the path. Mm-hmm. Let's go. So I think for us too, uh, before we wrap up there, I, I really appreciate just what we talked about when we did the book study, which was how not to read the Bible. And we talked about like, don't just read one verse, read that verse within the context of the chapter and the chapter within the context of the entire book and then remember that the bible's a library so read the book that you're in luke yeah in the context of the entire bible too and that's going to give us a better picture because right now even if you just read like verses 34 through the end 38 and it's all about fasting and um you know, Jesus in this new wineskin. But what we just read before that was about a feast. And so I don't think that that's, actually, I know that's not accidental that this Dr. Luke is putting this in here because there is a time for feasting. That's what he says in 34. The bridegroom is here. Yeah. So we must enjoy. And then there will come a time for fasting. We're in the time for fasting. Jesus is not, has not come back yet. And so we need to model our rhythm of life after his. So there are times of feasting where we're celebrating and, and really, the word that we should use is worshiping as we're doing that, as we feast. Mm. And the same is true when we're fasting. There's a time right now that we should be fasting. What does that look like for you? Your weekly rhythm, your monthly rhythm with your family. Um, because Jesus is, is hasn't come back yet. And mm. Holy Spirit is with us. And we're empowered. So many fasting is its own thing that we could talk about yeah. for a long time. Anyway, but just an, a little note, too, just with where we ended in the context of the chapter um, that's all purposeful. That's yeah. all really, you know, we can glean. There's good things to glean from yeah. all of that. So Luke chapter five. Yeah. Cast your net like Peter. Understand your own inability. God will meet you there. He has a cure that we need for our greatest need. Yeah. And uh, we're in a season of fasting right now because Jesus hasn't come back. So thanks for joining us. We'll be back with you tomorrow for Luke chapter six and uh, the rest of the gospel Luke in the weeks to come. God bless you. The Lord bless you and keep you. Don't make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give him his peace. Have a great day.